How about that Super Bowl halftime show? That was pretty wild. Welcome to Project Freelance. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Kay, just the letter K. I am a freelance videographer, drone pilot, editor, podcaster, voiceover artist, photographer. I do a lot of things. I'm a freelancer at heart. I am a creator. I'm also a musician. And this is Project Freelance. It's the show all about freelancing, where I interview other freelancers about how they built their businesses, how they grew, how they found their value, their worth, and what they can give to you as far as advice goes, what they learned over their time as a freelancer. If you are new to freelancing, check out this podcast. It's super sick. I have had tons and tons and tons of my friends on the show, which is super cool. Today, I'm speaking with Luke Gale of CineFlow UK. This guy is a certified drone pilot. He flies regular drones and FPV drones, which is his niche. And today, we're going to be diving into his work as a FPV pilot what he does in the UK, how he gets his jobs, and the differences between being in the UK and the US as far as drone flying and certifications and all that stuff goes, laws, things like that, and what he's learned along the way as a freelancer. Uh, he's relatively new to freelancing, so this is a really cool case study, as he will say in this episode. But before we get into the episode, if you are new to Project Freelance, please do me a favor, hit the subscribe button. New episodes come out every Monday morning. Otherwise, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, please leave a rating and feedback on the show. It helps us grow. It helps us find a broader audience of awesome listeners just like you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you to Liquid Death, our partner on this podcast. If you want to give Liquid Death a try, go to liquiddeath.com. Use promo code just the letter K for 10% off your order. It's just water, guys. It's water. It's canned water. They have some flavors and uh, there's a little surprise coming out from Liquid Death soon that you guys are going to be super excited about. I know I'm excited about it, so it's going to be wild. The second thing I need to mention is that I am now an affiliate with Wandered. Uh, they are a bag company. Foot, like Photography bags are their jam. That's what they specialize in. I've been using a Wandered bag for five or six years now. Um, the same bag, by the way. I used to go through bags every six months because they couldn't handle what I was doing to them. Uh, I go into abandoned places a lot. I go to different environments a lot and I, my bag, you know, needs to be able to be sturdy and withstand everything I throw at it. And Wondered is the only company I've found that has actually stood the test of time. I actually pitched into their Kickstarter back in the day when they first launched the company. That's how I got my bag. They actually sent me two bags. Um, which is awesome. One of them uh, had like a, a rip in it. So they sent me a new one, an, an extra one. Uh, thankfully, thank you, Wandered. Um, I'm now an affiliate with them. So if you guys want to get a Wandered bag and check out their products, there is a link, an affiliate link down in the description, along with some other affiliate links uh, for gear and things like that, that I would recommend for you guys. Thank you for checking those out. And without further ado, Luke, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself and how long you've been freelancing to the Project Freelance audience. I'm, I'm Luke Gale. I run a little business called CineFlow, which is predominantly um, flying drones within the media sector within the UK and internationally as well, when I'm fortunate enough to do so. Um, and I'm quite a good case study because I've only actually been doing this technically as a freelancer for 14 months. Um, so um, although I've had my drone license for about four years now, but um, yeah, I've come from a come from a full time 
kind of employment since um, since I could actually work in the UK, which is 15 years in, in nine months. So since that age, I've been in full-time employment, which is 20 odd years. Uh, and at the end of 2021, um, I left that world to become freelance. Um, so yeah, probably a good case study to to examine today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So take me back, like what first got you into like videography and, and making content? Let's start there and then we'll kind of dive into your like education background and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so it probably emanates from um, from traveling around. Um, so, so me and my partner, my wife now have done a fair amount of traveling um, and I've always taken photos and uh, photos of all the places that we've been to. I've quite an abstract kind of contextual kind of style, um, quite tight frame kind of style. So I suppose the creativity started with photography. Um, and then obviously when, when drones started to become a bit more commonplace, particularly in the kind of the consumer market, um, I got myself a drone and then started to fly that maybe f- five or six years ago um really liked it it's quite new still is relatively new um and then ever since then kind of just been developing that and and here i am kind of five or six years later doing it as a big part of my living it's not it's not exclusively my living but but it's it's becoming a a, i mean at least half maybe even more now of my kind of main kind of living wage Nice. I, you know, I love hearing like how people got into the creative side of things because, you know, not everyone has that itch to like pursue this as a job, as like a career, you know? So I I think it's interesting to, to do that. So I do want to touch kind of on, um, getting your drone license in the UK. I know you guys have like similar rules, but also you might have some different things. So what was the process like to get your actual like certification, your license and all that stuff? Yeah. So, um, relatively straightforward. Um, we, we, uh, when I took my kind of exam, let's say, or license, it was the PFCO permission for commercial operations. And it was back in the day when you actually needed a license to actually operate commercially. Uh, It's actually changed now. It's actually the GVC, um, which is a different type of license. But essentially, the the same broad rules still apply with regard to airspace um, and proximity to uninvolved persons. Um, I mean, the the legislation is quite deep and quite wide. So it's it's a bit of a minefield in itself, really. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that's 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 how I kind of come to 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 where I am now. So when they switched over to JVC or GVC, um, did you have to like retake your test to get a new license? Um, I did. Yeah, I had to do uh, like a conversion course. Um, Interesting. Which, which was essentially a, a, a refresher course, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah. That it was a conversion course, relatively straightforward. Um, they do have a different type of license. I, I, I think it's a license technically, um, the A2C of C certificate of competence, which allows you to kind of operate within a certain class of drone. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have two slightly different. I mean, it's, it, the, the, the laws in the UK are quite tricky to navigate at the best of times. Yeah. Because they do tend to change like every couple of years. So we're probably due for a change, actually. So <laughs> terminology will change, but the basic principles of kind of um, essentially airspace and, and proximity to uninvolved people, they 
they are kind of this they are the consistent between regardless of the acronyms that that that, that um the caa kind of use they are right. consistent principles of of operating drones safely within the uk and obviously in the uk we have um different classes of drones so we have kind of everything from sub 250 gram drone mm-hmm. right up to you know i mean the, the big heavy lift stuff and uh, different parameters for each one. I think it's as similar in the states with the part one oh. It is a part one oh six, isn't it? I think. Yeah, part one oh seven. Yeah, one oh seven. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I'm not familiar with the American kind of laws, but I think they're right. broadly similar. Yeah, I assume so because I mean, so I I tour with bands. That's like what I my bread and butter. I, yeah. I create content for a bunch of bands, and I did one in the UK and. uh I had to obviously register my drone and, you know, put in my certification and everything. Yeah. And and with it changing so often, like, you know, it's, it's not really worth me paying annually because they're just going to change it, you know, because they, they do like an annual thing. You get like annual clearance or whatever. And so because they change it so often, I was like, it's not worth me like paying this if they're just going to change it. And the, you know, the website's going to be different and like the payment's going to, they're going to just charge me again, you know? So yeah. I think over there it changes more frequently than it does here. Like it's the FAA laws have been the same since, you know, the beginning of time really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's much, it's much easier to, I feel get certified and and renew your stuff here um, than it is to say travel internationally. For example, I just went on a music cruise with one of the bands I work for and I was trying to get clearance in like the Bahamas and Turks and Caicos and Amber Cove, like all these different places in the Caribbean. Yeah. And like, instead of going through like the government, you go through like the local police. So it's like traveling internationally, it just makes this so much more difficult. So for you, when you do international gigs, do you have to like re-register with, with those other places or? Uh, So yeah, um, obviously we had Brexit, um, which, which complicated the matter slightly because right. b- b- before Brexit, my licenses would have been essentially valid within the EU. But now mm-hmm. we, we, we've we've come out of the EU. Um, I, I've I've got to essentially get any. I've got to register via a European country, which um, which is relatively simple to do. But it's just it is a it, it just adds a, that extra level of complexity and mm-hmm. um, bureaucracy. That dare I say. To, to to an already overcomplicated process and i can understand why it's complicated and, and i can understand why uh, the the government and uh, governmental bodies are trying to keep a, a hand on it because it's such a, a fast moving industry mm-hmm. um you can kind of see why why they want to not make it difficult but they want to try and keep it as controlled as possible because if 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 they didn't then I'm sure there'll be drones kind of flying <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. So, so they kind of put the markers out there. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So they, they don't make it difficult on purpose. I'm sure they don't. Well, I hope they don't. But um, yeah, it's, it's a big barrier for, for, for drone work for sure. Um, and do you know what I mean? I don't actually spend that much time actually flying drones. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it is kind of obviously trying to get work, uh, doing the admin right. for the work that, that I secure and the planning. And then when, once that's all done, then then you're actually flying drones. And, and nine times out of 10, the drone's actually up and down within a relatively short space of time compared to mm. how much it's taken to actually get to the point of flying a drone um, on, on, the commercial, on the commercial sets anyway. Um, that's my experience. It's uh, quite a lot of the time is actually the planning and preparation and, and all the admin that goes behind kind of trying to run a 
run a little kind of media business. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. I think the longest I've done, like, a, you know, we get paid a day rate typically, for, yeah. no matter how long we're out on a site. And, you know, the longest that I've actually had a drone in the air was probably like, you know, like, I don't know, maybe like a total time of like two hours, you know, Ooh, of a whole yeah. day. And I was shooting boat races. So, you know, it was like an all day kind of event, but the, the drone can be in the air for, you know, a certain amount of time before the batteries drained. And then you're charging batteries while you're trying to like set up another shot and like yeah. waiting for the next thing to happen. So yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. You spend more time looking for the jobs and doing the admin than, yeah. than actually flying the thing. But for you, like where, because you're in the UK, I'm, I'm very curious about this. Uh, where do you get gigs? Like, where do you find your gigs? Are you online or is it word of mouth? Like, how are you securing um, these jobs? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I'm working at a relatively niche kind of sector of the drone world, let's say. I, I, I specialize in um, FPV, mm -hmm. um, so uh, such as the, well, I don't fly the DJI Avata, but if you, if you look at the DJI Avata drone, I basically fly custom versions of the Avata and put GoPros on top and Blackmagic's on top. Um, and sometimes if I'm lucky enough to put red Komodos on top of big custom FPV drones. Um, so, so I'm within that market and my gigs come about because it's a relatively specialized market and quite a difficult market to be fair. It's, I mean, flying FPV drones, flying drones generally is quite difficult, but to actually fly FPV drones is even more difficult it really is a, a skill set it's quite a specialized mm -hmm. market so a lot of my work comes through um word of mouth and recommendations and um so, so if if some of my work's kind of published on socials um usually it does relatively well um particularly if i mean i've done a gig for a big company a big production company they posted my video uh, there were no credits on that video for, for, for my work, but what I, what I make sure I do is actually look at the feedback, look at the comments and just make sure that people know it was me who did the mm. work, you know, if not to me. So it's kind of, it's kind of optimizing the deliverables. Um, the client's happy because they've got a great video. Right. But, but, but I think uh, from a freelance point of view, it's, it's really crucial to kind of not only deliver the content, and deliver the client's brief, but also see where that content goes and and kind of follow up on uh, follow up on the content. And if there's any kind of similar brands commenting on it, make sure that you kind of follow them up separately. Um, because you know, I mean, half the work's done for you. There's a similar client commenting on your work, so they've obviously got an interest in it. And it's just it, that's what I tend to do as a freelancer, and it works pretty well for me um, on both Instagram. LinkedIn. I've not yet tried TikTok. I'm, I'm trying to limit the amount of social media For sure. I'm on because I have a kind of love-hate relationship with, with social media, as most people do. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, sure. On these platforms, I, that's what I do. I just make sure that I kind of optimize my footage um, and the content that I create. I just make sure I share it as much as I can. And then if there's any interested people, I kind of follow up with them separately and say, like, this is what I do. Refer them to my website, uh, refer them to my showreels. I've got different showreels for different types of clientele. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's that's how I kind of get work. There's a bit of organic there as well. I do have some people kind of find me through Google, but 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 to get the SEO right, 
on on a self-built website which mine is self-built on wix to get the seo to such a position where you're coming kind of the first page is such a lot of effort and i think quite an investment uh, oh for sure do you know what i mean it's it, I, I, yeah there's a little bit of organic there but mostly it's me being proactive and kind of getting out there getting my name out there mm. um and make sure people know where i am how how they can contact me uh, yeah yeah and once you've got the hook then do you know what i mean that's that's how you kind of start the ball rolling um for sure yeah 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 i think you know being in such a niche area of drone videography is is going to help you a lot in the long run because it's such a specialized thing to fly the fpvs i've got a friend that has shot for like bbc nat geo he does a lot of nature stuff yeah um and he started off doing regular like you know dji drones and now he's doing you know all the the fpv stuff for them and you know him building that career in that like niche market definitely helped him stand out and get more work because it is such a specialized thing. So mm. I'm super excited to see like where you go. I've, I've spent all morning watching your show reels, just like in awe oh, really? of like this oh, kind wow. of work, like, you know, you're, uh, going through all the buildings, the bowling alleys is like, yeah. blows my mind that, you know, I, one of the first videos I ever saw of FPV flying was this, uh, Minneapolis, videographer yeah. the right up our alley video yeah in the bowling yeah. alley fucking yeah. crazy video and so yeah. i was like oh my god i want to do this you know and then i hit up my friend who does fpv and he was like yo you're gonna crash a lot of them <laughs> like yeah that's like a part of the learning process so for yeah. you like how many drones have you gone through um surprisingly not that many because i mean i've got a lot of drones <laughs> yeah i've got a lot of drones but um yeah, the, I mean, the, the, that American bowling alley video kind of yeah. really, really got it going in the UK as well, to be honest. Um, mm. And I was doing FPV operations when that came out, and that really kind of really catapulted the whole FPV in the UK market. And at wow. the time, like I said, we, we I had a few, quite a few drones, quite a few practice drones. Um, you don't tend to go through them as much. I mean, obviously, I've crashed quite a few drones and I've broke quite a few drones because I do a little bit of racing with, with a couple of my mates. Mm, um, mm -hmm. So crashes are inevitable. Um, you just got to make sure that you, you crash when you're practicing and, and not when you're on actual, an actual commercial. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That, that's the crucial thing. And yeah, I think that's, that's where the, where the crux of it is with FPV. It's, it's fantastic dynamic footage. Um, but if things go wrong they can go wrong quite badly because i mean these drones are quick powerful um they're not particularly heavy but they're not light either so if you were mm -hmm. to crash into something or i mean god forbid someone um it, it, i mean it's quite a risky business if you know what i mean so so i mean there's one thing flying a, a dji mavic let's say 60 foot above people then there's another thing flying an fbv drone within uh, a three foot to someone which is right. I mean, that, that that's quite a regular occurrence and I, I suppose um with that you have to kind of make sure that you're using the right type of drone so when i'm doing close proximity work with people um which are all involved people and fully informed and fully choreographed i use it like a tiny kind of sub 250 everything stripped down even the gopro stripped down um to to pretty much nothing so the overall weight's like 220 grams, I think it is, wow. uh, at the lightest. 
Um, and that just helps mitigate any risk with regard to kind of working in proximity with, with people. It's obviously fully ducted, so there's no open prop um, as you do as you get with with the Mavics and and all that sort right. of thing. So, so yeah, I've completely gone down a rabbit hole there, and I've completely forgot what the question was. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, you're good. I was just uh, basically asking like how many drones you've gone through, but I, you know, I think it's interesting to touch on that, like. Uh, flying in close proximity with involved people. I feel like there are some people out there in the industry. I mean, I could name a few, but I'm not going to because I don't want to put anybody on blast like that. But there's people that are like flying at concerts with FPVs, like over crowds, like onto the stage. And like, it's cool. And the footage looks sick and blah, blah, blah. But like, you can't do that. (laughs) No. And and I've had, um, I have had kind of jobs come through the door with that. And I don't know. As much as I'd love to do it, um, I'd never be able to put my name on it. Exactly. Because, do you know what I mean? It, it's not even worth me entertaining or, or even trying to make it work. Um, there is there is a technicality where if it was indoors, mm-hmm. the drone regulations technically wouldn't apply and therefore right. you probably, probably could um, do it legally in terms of drone regulations. It's probably not advisable still. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, I've had a few gigs kind of come through the door and I've kind of gone, it's not even as much as I wanted to do it. Um, well, having said that, not really, because it's, it, you're just risking everything for, for that shot. Yeah. And uh, the shots do look amazing. Don't get me wrong. They look, look amazing. But um, do you know what I mean? If you only need one bad job uh, yeah. and, 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 and that's kind of it really, particularly in the drone world, um, because news travels very fast with drones. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you get it in the, in, in the US, but in the UK, if, if a drone was to fall out the sky, um, it'd be on the front page of oh, everything. Without a doubt, for um, sure. Um, and, but I don't know if there's a big, I don't know if there's another big incident, you'd never hear about it. So I think with drones, I think it's just that kind of whole thing where the media really take it seriously. And Mm -hmm. so you really only got one chance. Yeah. So I've had to turn a few jobs down where it's been like, no, I I technically can't do it. And even if I did do it, I'd never be able to put my name against it. So what's the point? Um, Yeah, exactly. Because a huge huge part of what we do is being able to show off our footage, you know, to get those more, those next clients and, do other things and for you like when you're doing those like higher risk jobs I was looking at your site where you have like your pricing breakdown which I think is sick like I love that you're so like upfront about it like this is what I charge and like for those higher risk jobs like first of all like with rates and things how did you find your value and your worth like what you charge daily um and then for those higher risk jobs like what is your protocol with those yeah so Oh, it's such a tricky one. And I think it's something that everyone grapples with. Um, regardless of it, if you full-time appointment or freelance, it's kind of trying to work out what you're worth. Um, and I spend so much time thinking about it. I think uh, the, the, the way I approach it is um, I know roughly what, what, what I'd like to earn annually. Um, and I add mm. into that investment, um, in qu- equipment investment, um, all your like basically all your overheads including kind of um uh, a bit of contingency kind of work that out per year and then work out how many days you want to work per year and then you come to kind of an hourly kind of figure um very very roughly um so so that, that i use that as a bit of a datum with regard to project pricing 
Um, so on the higher risk projects where I know there's got to be planning, planning and I know that it's got to be a storyboard in place for me to actually kind of start planning, planning these shots, those project rates are kind of, I, I tend to use them as more of a day rate. So, so there might be kind of a, a day's worth of planning, sitting uh, mm. in meetings and, and telling people what they can and can't do because producers might come to me and say, oh, we want to do this, but I'd be like, it's really risky to do that. Why don't we do this? And, and we'll kind of work out a bit of a plan. And, and then I'll go off and annotate some satellite images and of how we can do something. So there might be a day in planning and then there'd be a day shooting and then there'd be a, a day's worth of de-rigging and post-processing footage. So, so I kind of use that as, you know what I mean? There's the real simple project rates where I just turn up and it's a couple of hours on site, job done. And then there's others where it's kind of three days on site and mm. two days planning. And I've had a few of them. And I mean, trying to come back round to to how to work out what, what you're worth. Um, uh, again, I've asked, I've asked because it's such a niche niche market. Um, I've had to kind of resort to asking like other other established pilots within the UK, mm. kind of what 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 they're pricing. And it's it's um, it's difficult to ask other people what what people for are sure, particularly in the UK. I think in the US market, I think you're probably a bit more open with regard to what people earn and this that. Mm. In the UK, it's a lot more closed, and everyone's everyone's I mean everyone's not as open with regard to kind of what people are charging. So. I've just had to ask kind of fellow pilots that I know relatively well, kind of, look, this is what I'm charging. Am I about right? Is this the market rate? Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I put it out there as a bit of a guide because a lot of my work is um, kind of for, for people who have never done it. So it kind of gives them an idea from the outset. Um, oh, we're not talking kind of thousands, but talking, I mean, a reasonable amount you kind of give people yeah. an idea straight straight from the off and then when i start to work for the bigger production companies obviously they they were a lot more used to um the bigger rates because of the amount of planning that goes into it and 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 all the and all the faffing about essentially it, it is kind of a lot of faffing about with, with, with the bigger stuff um i think that's kind of answered your question it's a bit tricky it's very tricky um yeah to to calculate your your worth, um, and I've still not quite got to that point where, yeah, I'm still not quite there yet. To be honest, it's uh, it really is a tricky. A tr- You'll definitely uh, be be chasing that for the rest of time. Just so you know, yeah, um, that will never go away. It'll never get easier to figure out what your worth is because it'll change. Yeah. Once you figure it out, you're gonna be like, oh well, I gotta charge more now because my experience and you know all these things i've done and yeah you know the the price of new gear and all that stuff so yeah that, that's one thing if if i can give you any any hint of your future that'll never change <laughs> i mean it's quite easy in in like i said just before we we, we started recording um um kind of 60 70 percent of my, my time is in the media sector with drones and then i still do have a foot in the construction sector and and because the construction sector is so well established, um, right. the rates of pay are a lot more established. So you know exactly where you're standing. You know exactly what you can charge. Um, and obviously, I, char- I do freelance work in the construction sector. So I know exactly w- where the rates are, regardless of where you are in the UK, apart from London, mm. obviously. Um, but with the drone sector, it's just, uh, and I'm guessing to, to an extent in the general videography sector as well, 
it's a bit more tricky. Um, Definitely. Because you, I think it's because you get low budget clients and you get high budget clients. And I mean, there was someone willing to pay not much. And then obviously you get the big production companies that, that know kind of what the actual rate should be. Right. And it's, I don't know, it's such a variance. Um, yeah. Very tricky, I must admit. Yeah, I, you know, I can relate to that as well. You know, I always joke with my freelance friends that like the low budget clients ask you for more shit and the higher yeah. budget clients are like, thanks, looks great, payment sent, see you next time. I you know, know, it's like so, I, I had, so I had, simple. Actually, that, I, had a, I had a job in, in Liverpool, I don't know if Liverpool is, but I, I literally turned up and um, my, my drone was in the air for 15 minutes. Um, and that and 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 the director at the time said, "Yeah, thank you. Um, all good to go. Send me the footage. Send me the invoice." And I was like, "Blimey!" I just I, I was <laughs> I actually hung around for a bit just in case. Just in case they needed you. <laughs> no, I was. I didn't want to go because I felt a bit cheeky. Yeah, yeah. You're like, is this invoice. really happening? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely bizarre, but. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, it was a relatively straightforward job, really straightforward, actually. Yeah, um, you know, I, I did yeah. a, a short film, uh, drone shots for a short film at, like, sunset, so, like, golden hour, you know? Yeah. So it was, like, one shot we needed, literally one shot. So they paid me a full day rate for, like, like you said, something like yeah. 15 minutes in the air, if that, you know? And you're just like, are, are, you, are you sure? Like, yeah. know, <laughs> do you need anything else? Like. I mean, there's a lot of preparation. There's obviously that. for sure, of course. And drones, I mean, they, they, they do take well, not not as much maintenance as FPV drones um, right. with, with the with the Mavics and stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, they, they are a heavy investment, and you need to make sure that they pay for themselves. Um, yeah. I mean, they, 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 I mean, the, the lower end kind of Mavic threes. Um, I mean, they're expensive drones, and you, you know, what I mean, you still you need to make sure that you cover them, and if 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 one does fail for whatever reason, you need to make sure that your your insurance will either pay out or, or, or you're charging enough to cover the cost of of, of new equipment. And mm-hmm. it seems like DJI and um, well, to be honest, I only really ex- exclusively fly DJI equipment. Um, mm-hmm. They seem to be bringing out drones kind of <laughs> every year, so it's difficult to keep. Um, oh that's the cat just come in sorry it's all good <laughs> um yeah it's difficult to keep abreast with like the latest and greatest uh technology definitely yeah so uh one of my questions that i have that i usually ask is uh have you ever been like screwed over on a job or scammed or anything like that and i ask because i feel like it happens to everybody once at least and really? i know you've been you know relatively new to freelancing yeah. but like it still um, happens yeah it not to me Personally, I've had a couple of invoices unpaid, um, mm. which have not been of significant value to be to be fair. So, and it's for a relatively big client, which I've done a lot of work for. So I should probably chase them up. In actual fact, I have chased them up, and, and they've still not paid. So it's kind of one of them. Like, oh, booker, do I consistently chase them up? And uh, do you know what I mean? I'm in that funny position where, yeah, I've had a couple of relatively small invoices unpaid. Um, yeah. Do I write them off or do I can I mean do I send them weekly emails to chase them up? I should probably chase them up weekly every week. Um, but yeah, but apart from that, um, I've not I've not really had I've not been done over yet. So good. Um, yeah, I mean it's difficult with deposits. I still got yeah. deposits, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know why because 
I think everyone should take a deposit. And 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 I, actually, this year, on my wife's advice, um, was to start taking deposits for bookings because I, I have had a couple of jobs where they've been booked in. I've turned down other jobs, and yeah. then, lo and behold, that job goes, uh, I mean, disappears. So I've kind of lost two jobs in one hit. Um, <sighs> so it's kind of, I am starting to take deposits. Um, for for booking time and it may only be a kind of i don't know 40 30 40 percent of the overall value but if you can get someone to pay a deposit it kind of makes them commit to it mm-hmm. um so that, that's what i found um but yeah coming back to your original question i've not i've not I've, i'm relatively careful i've been around the block enough times to kind of know when something's too good to be true and For sure. you know, there's a bit out there, but I, I've been, I've managed to kind of uh, keep it um, abreast so far anyway. Yeah. But, but like you said, I think the day will definitely come where um, something will happen and I'll be gutted for a few days, but you kind of get over it. You move on and lessons learned and yeah. never again uh, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, deposits, it's always a good idea to take them because like you said, it, it kind of like incentivizes somebody to follow through. Yeah. You know, I, I take I, I recently started doing deposits maybe within the last two, three years. But yeah, even like 20 percent, you know, because then they're financially invested in the thing. And so they're more likely to like follow through with that. So I, I always advise people to take deposits on anything they're doing. And you know, look for those red flags. If they're trying to send you a check and you have to like pay someone else with that money, like if they're trying to send you a big sum of money and they're like, you got to also pay for the, just don't do it. You know? So, uh, I know a lot of people that have been scammed. I've been scammed before when I was like a young freelancer, you know, I, I got scammed out of some money because of a situation like that. Like somebody was pretending to be a big company and then it was just a a whole mess of a thing, but yeah, yeah, it it was, it was wild. Definitely Um, have your wits about you. I mean, the freelance world is, is, is um uh it's tricky it's not if you if you want a plain sailing kind of life uh full-time employment is definitely the way to go because everything's <laughs> sure. consistent you're not really got much sense of getting scammed uh trying to find work or doing work um so yeah <laughs> there's certainly things kind of um you know think things to be said for full-time employment uh, and and that's one of them really when you're out there freelancing um you are open you are a bit more kind of subject to people trying to take advantage and and, and you mm-hmm. you certainly got to have your wits about you and, and make sure that you you're well organized and 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 you know exactly what what you want to do and uh, yeah, it's a tricky world, but but it's like I said, I'm I'm probably a good case study because I've spent the last twenty years in full time employment, you know, continuous full time employment, mm-hmm. um, and then the last forty months has been freelance, and it's um, do you know I mean it's never been it's never been better really. Um, I think the I think the I think the lockdowns and coronavirus and all that was was the catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? From full time employment spending. I don't know four, five, six hours a day on on Microsoft Teams and Zoom. Um, yeah, kind of <laughs> completely yeah. took it out of me back in mm-hmm. the day, and that was the catalyst to kind of go right. I fancy doing something completely different, and that's what I've done. And yeah, I mean, if you got to be brave to 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 do it for sure, but it's it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. I think you know, COVID really pushed a lot of people to 
pursue their passions because of like you said spending six eight hours on zoom calls will definitely burn you out quickly um but for you my my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started freelancing oh is it um no man might be a bit of a pause whilst i think about this one yeah no Um, problem (laughs) i think I th- I th- oh blimey yeah it's a, it's a very good question it's I think it's it's probably something to do with born from confidence um and having self-confidence to to go out there and actually take the leap as such um and I think kind of if I knew so so what I find is what I find now is that everyone to a degree is winging it <laughs> And if I knew that 10 years ago, I'll probably have taken a jump 10 years ago to work for myself. Um, no one's kind of 100% confident, if you know, if you know to me. It's a funny way to, to go about answering this question, but I, I do find a lot of people are kind of um, not, not taking the risk when they perhaps could have. And if I think if I would have realized that kind of a while ago, I would have probably gone freelance a long time ago. Um, I'm 36 now, so um, do you mean it, it? Kind of at that crunch point where do you stay in full time employment or do you go freelance? And like I said, if 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 I would have just known, if I would have been more self confident and kind of known that everyone's in the same boat, um, it would have probably made that decision to go freelance a bit more easier. Um, hopefully, I've answered that question. Oh yeah comprehensively but yeah I've got away with words to, to kind of go around the houses a little bit to try and make my point but but essentially yeah that, that that's that, that's what I'd say love it and so if people want to keep following your journey as a freelancer as a videographer as a creator where can they find you online if they want to hire you where can they go to uh, get more information about that yeah um so i have my own website which is uh, cineflow.co.uk and that's uh, c-i-n-e flow.co.uk uh, um i'm on linkedin um you should be able to find me there i don't actually know what my tag is for linkedin i should do um but on instagram it's cineflow uk um but yeah like i said all my socials are all linked together so hopefully people can kind of fly me cross um cross platform so yeah that's how you find me all right y'all that was luke gale from the uk from cineflow uk if you want to check him out i've put all of his links down in the description for you if you're in the uk i don't know if you listen to this podcast but if you do happen to live in the uk and need some sick fpv footage for your company or location or life sport whatever please hit up luke uh he's super talented i've been watching his stuff all morning and i just can't get enough of it so thank you for listening to this episode of project freelance if you want to come on the show hit me up at contact at just the letter k.com otherwise subscribe rate and review thank you so much for listening this is project freelance i'll talk to you next monday stay strong keep enduring